Hello there, my name is Jordan D. White, and welcome to this very fast, short little bonus episode of Welcome to the Waxwork. We are filling in, because I'm, of course, taking some time off for the Thanksgiving holiday, doing a lot of stuff. Don't have a lot of time for a full episode. So, what we've got instead is an episode of This Day in History and Where Are They Now in History from Roy Sinjin, and then a very special thing called Excellent Job Opportunities for the End of the World. It's written by Mr. Jacob Thompson, and I uh, produced and recorded it as part of a radio theater uh, marathon for WHRW Binghamton, and so I'm going to present it right here with uh, Mr. Thompson's permission. Hopefully you will all enjoy it. Don't forget to come back next week for a real episode. Bye-bye. Hello, and this is WHRW Binghamton. My name's Roy Sinjin. You're listening to This Day in History. On December 1st, 1955, in Montgomery, Alabama, Rosa Parks is jailed for refusing to give up her seat on a public bus to a white man, a violation of the city's racial segregation laws. The successful Montgomery bus boycott followed Parks' historic act of civil disobedience. Hey, everybody get on the bus. Let's go. Let's go. Get on this bus. I've got five more stops to make, and it's almost beer 30. Let's go. Pardon me, black woman. I couldn't help but notice that you're sitting in a seat I want to sit in. Perhaps if you would move to the back. No. What now? You know what? I'm taking this bus off. Let's go. I don't care if people are sitting or not. Oh no! Hey, what's going on back there? What's- Hey, I gotta look back there and see what's going on. Ah! I get to keep my seat. Very few people did realize that Rosa Parks was actually boycotting because uh, the bus drivers were so easy to distract and she thought that was wrong. Fortunately, she did um, do a lot for civil rights as a side effect. This is This Day in History on WHRW Binghamton. But don't get off yet. My name's Roy Sinjin, and this is Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. Enough about all that civil rights nonsense. You're probably wondering, did Rosa Parks affect change in the whole distractible bus driver situation? Well, the answer's no. Everyone got so caught up on that civil rights thing, which, of course, is in its own way important, that they didn't look at what was actually being said, that buses were crashing all over the place, all over our great nation, and, of course, in all sorts of bus-using places all over the world. As a result, she had to go on and organize more protests. After she got the right to sit in the front of the bus, she got a pair of marching band symbols and would sit right in the front seat, right behind the driver and smash the symbols together as loud as humanly possible. And unfortunately, that would cause the bus driver to, you know, go, ah, you know, surprise and all that, and turn the bus very sharply to one side, smash into something, lots of people would die. Eventually, they made a rule against symbols, so she was unable to bring symbols on the bus, but she would do other things like bass drums. And eventually, they said no marching band instruments. She had to move on to things like rabid dogs, things like that. Finally, years later, in the year 1999, they made the law that said, don't distract the bus driver while he's driving because we could crash the bus. And Rosa Parks said, oh, I'm vindicated. This is Roy Sinjin on Where Are They Now in History on Cast and Wax. The WHRW Radio Theatre Department presents Excellent Job Opportunities for the End of the World by Jacob Thompson. 
I'm Melanie Arnold, and today we'll be narrating a job search of Kirk Vanderpool. I'll turn you over to my co-anchor, Arch Guinead, for his two cents. Thanks, Mel. On paper, Kirk fits nicely at BOBF, the huge multinational corporation he's interviewing with this afternoon. Both he and the company have ambitious agendas that involve environmental terraformation. And so far, Kirk has convinced them that he's a reliable team player who works well with both himself and with others, that he takes initiative yet values a schedule and needs absolutely no training. Whether he's telling the truth or not, I'm impressed. Equally impressive was interviewer Arnie Skipper, convincing him that BOPF cares about his long-term future and that of their thousands of employees. He'll be valued. On paper, the benefits package does impress. And regardless of whether Kirk is impressed, a company with a bigger revenue than most of the world's nations is always going to negotiate from a position of power. Very true. Now let's join this interview live in progress. There's just one piece of business left to conclude. I should warn you that this detail has scared away a few previous candidates. Yeah, assuming you haven't got any immediate family, this detail may be a great opportunity. I'd love to hear about it. The big picture is that you will need to find a replacement for yourself. I think my boss can take care of that himself. We're thinking about replacing you on a somewhat bigger scale. This corporation will arrange that you would disappear to the world while paying a candidate to assume your identity. He will earn the salary of your current employer in addition to cash payments from us. Should this fail, you will need to fake your death, which can be easily done. Naturally. That's why it's such a common solution to everyday problems. We are not joking. This is why you were asked those admittedly probing questions about your family life that you so patiently answered. Why would I need to disappear? It would, it would be strange if I didn't ask, wouldn't it? Unfortunately, it wouldn't matter. That detail, like many of the other ones you asked about, is something only the bosses of my bosses know. The only way to find out is to take the position. I think we've hit a snag, then. I, I need to check to see if this is all legal. If the rumblings I hear from above are true, the laws may not matter for long. Could you explain that, maybe? Or have you, you know, told me too much already? In all seriousness, I have, Kirk. But I'd urge you not to dismiss the position on account of one or two little details. You'd find it an excellent opportunity to flex your research muscles in an unsupervised environment, and you would be generously funded. What I can see, uh, this job sounds great. If you ever get around to explaining that other stuff, then we may have something. Otherwise, I'm afraid we're just going to talk in circles here. Please call me back if you would consider. You're being offered an exciting opportunity that will probably be filled very soon if you wait. I think that would be worthy of instant replay if we had it. But since we don't, let's follow Kirk home to his girl, Kira Hendricks. She's important to this tale. Let's recap what we know about her. We know that she received a BA in the fine arts from Columbia University, went into advertising for a while, then quit to begin a so far unsuccessful career as a freelance artist. Let's drop in on Kira and Kirk. So, they really want you to fake your death? I'm not sure what they want me to do. I don't even know if they know. All I know for sure is that if they wanted to play a practical joke on me, I would have appreciated it more if they did it on my own personal time and not my work time. You need to check that out. No, I think I need to avoid these people like the plague. BOBF ignores laws and ethics like all corporations these days, and then goes one better by ignoring even simple logic. You can include me out. Funny, I seem to recall you wanting a corporate insurance plan. I enjoy the food and shelter that my irritating job provides. You're not exactly setting the world on fire, you know, as a free-spirited artist or whatever you are. You know, even if I was, you don't believe art has value. That's not what I said. I said that art doesn't have a purpose. Huh. Some people think it matters, but we're getting off topic here. You know, this is dumb. You refuse to contact this company, but you're obviously curious. Who wouldn't be? Well, and I want to find out something, I look it up. Popular options include the internet or your local library. Fine. 
I'll go look up B.O.B.F., but I guarantee that anything juicy enough to be interesting is going to be totally confidential, and you know that. Oh, whatever. You never know till you try. Fine. I'll look him up, and if it'll make you happy. Now, let's see if you'll regret it. And about a week later, during dinner, the phone rings! Kirk Vanderpool here. What is it? Make it fast. I'm trying to eat dinner. I'm Arnie Skipper from B.O.B.F. I'm sure that you remember our interview. <clears throat> of course, and, uh... uh to what honor am I owed this call? Over the last week, we've noticed several attempts from your computer to locate sensitive information on our website. Well, if anything was truly sensitive, you wouldn't put it online for the world to see, right? Why have you been monitoring my computer use? We take you very seriously as a candidate. We wanted to know if you had changed your mind with regards to the arrangement. The re Oh, the replacing myself. Well, to be honest, it sounds completely ridiculous. Who's calling? The people from that company, dear. Oh! Who are you talking to? A friend. <clears throat> and you should know that I'm taking this invasion of privacy very seriously. You can say the laws can't help me, but I'll soon probably test that theory. Now Kira waves him out of the room. She looks very intense, and he didn't mind making Arnie wait. I've been thinking about this, and I might regret telling you, but I think you should say yes. Just do it so you can get that information. You don't have to work for them. I don't want to quit my job for nothing. What, the job you hate? The one that makes you snarl at me? One of us needs to provide. End of story. You've been blubbering about their secrets for a whole week. You know, you only live once. Fine, fine, fine. This could turn out very badly, very, very badly, but I'll do it if they'll shut you up. Mr. Skipper, I agree to your terms. Excellent. And a pleasant surprise as well. I didn't expect you to see the light so quickly, but I know you've stepped, right? Expect the facts in several minutes. Read the information carefully. If you have not already quit your current job, do not do so until the issue of your replacement is addressed. Is this replacement going to get the same intense scrutiny that I have? How could it be otherwise? Of course, BOBF considers you to be a very important man, while your replacement is, in the long run, going to be a very unimportant man. Read our faxes and you will have a very good idea why. Until then, we don't have much to talk about. Goodbye for now. Oh, 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 I have an idea. I have a headache. Look, just spare me your theories, your artist theories now for a moment. I have to worry about documents and a replacement and all this other kind of crap. Look, I want to find the replacement. It's an interesting concept. What parts of us define our identity? So many people want to know. I don't think Skipper cares about that, but fine. Go nuts with those interviews of yours. It's just one less thing I have to worry about. Kira went ahead with the replacement search. Despite some contradictory demands, let's listen. Look, Kira, I need a replacement soon. I'm sick of this thing hanging over my head. But the very next day... I come home exhausted from work and find a strange man on my couch. This is the dumbest idea you have ever had. Rinse and repeat. How will Kirk and Kira resolve this? Let's visit another evening when Kira is doing another interview. When you watch a film, what's the most important thing you notice? The first thing you notice? Um, I try to see if there's somebody I know in it. The cinematography and stuff is secondary. I hope that's okay. There's no wrong answers, Jared. The next question is also kind of abstract, if you don't mind. Someone stated a political or philosophical view that you found strongly offensive. How would you react? Mm, I'm hard to offend. People consider me easygoing. Okay, Jared. Low Kirk. Still interviewing people, huh? The process continues relentlessly. Sorry about the interruption, Jared. Next question is, how many women have you slept with? Um, and a related question, how many men? Kira, how is that relevant to how he'll perform my job? I asked about his references and resume details right off the bat. This part of the interview is less clinical and closer to what makes the candidate tick. Or it's just to shock me. I take this very seriously. If I don't ask about sexual history, then we overlook an important part of what we all have in common. 
I wanted to find the core of humanity. I want a replacement for myself, not the embodiment of the human spirit. This is this is stupid. This man he goes by Jared. Doesn't even look like me at all. Call it art if you want, Kira, but this is stupid art. I've never heard you respect any art. Name one piece of art you admired. That isn't even relevant to the conversation. Okay, fine. The Three Stooges. They made a lot of people laugh, which is more than Jackson Pollock ever accomplished. Back to reality. Jared here probably looks more like you than he does look like me. Well, you aren't even being productive. Ah. Sounds like you have a call, boss. Very well. Hello? This is B.O.B.F. And for what do I owe this call? I've read their papers, and I've never seen any of the studies you faxed me published in a reputable journal. You haven't received permission yet to read the journals those are in, and those journals are solid like a bank. You won't get permission unless you straighten out. Straighten out? Who am I even speaking to? Cut the newspaper ads. Cut the internet posts. We are handling your replacement entirely by ourselves from now on, as your way risks exposing us. We advised you against it from the beginning, and now it's in order. Read the documents again and sit tight until you're told otherwise. Is there anything- Good night, Mr. Vanderpool. Who was that? That was a guy from B.O.B.F. Never occurred to you that the name was important. That's practical. You heard me ask him. The jerk didn't think that I'm important enough to find that out. He threatened me like I was a dog. Your interviews need to stop now, though, Kira. B.O.B.F. told me so. <laughs> You'd rather listen to them than me. Kira, I get a creepy mafia-type vibe oh, off of this company. Oh, man, it's so brave how you just jump whenever they snap their fingers. I am planning for us to survive. I don't think you completely understand which way the wind is blowing here. You know, please correct my ignorance, Kirk. I am an empty vessel. Fill me with your precious frickin' knowledge! Um, should I go now? Yes! I'll get back to you in a week, Kira, if I don't hear from you by then. Fine. Jared called back, but all his inquiries were totally ignored. He would not have been the ideal candidate anyway. More to the point, Kirk spent the week on eggshells between B.O.B.F.'s stony silence and the refusal of Kira to stop her interviews. He began his job search in the quest for a more rewarding life only to find the workplace his last refuge of sanity. Very perceptive, Melanie. Let's get back to the action. He comes to work on a Wednesday morning, and he's in for a surprise. Come on, Mr. V. Change your clothes already, Kirk? Yes, excuse me for a moment. Kirk walked briskly up the stairs to his office. He reassured himself that his fear was ridiculous until it stared him in the face. It looked just like him, except for the marks where the surgeon had worked. You would be the new me, right? My allegedly identical double? Please, God, keep quiet. We can't be seen together. That's why I'm whispering. I invite you to use my common sense if you plan to keep using my name. They told me to send this note to you, but I was never supposed to meet you. They'll kill me if they find out. Stay quiet. If we keep cool, this never happened, and we'll both stay alive. Give me the note, please. I, I, I swear I haven't read it. Shh. You obviously haven't, or you would have gotten this to me on time. It seems I have a meeting with BOBF management in just in one hour. You will not blow my cover by appearing in two places at once. I can't explain all this! One, there isn't time. Two, I'm going straight to the source anyway. But thank you, and for God's sake, remember that you are officially out of the office for the next hour, and you need to think of a good reason that you've changed clothes. And now, Kirk endangered pedestrians and the other drivers by running red lights in a desperate attempt to get to the meeting on time. The BOBF headquarters is an anonymous-looking building in a suburban corporate office park. Parking is ample. The secretary knows him from sight and waves him past. He receives a swipe card and ascends in a private elevator. The room he is deposited in is almost threateningly bland, with off-white walls. He is at the head of a table, stared down by half a dozen well-dressed men in high-backed oak chairs. We finally meet face to face. And you didn't make it easy. If it were easy, it would have been worth doing. The other men at this table are my bosses. They'll be processing everything you say very carefully. Unfortunately, before we get to the main course, I have about 20 pounds of paperwork for you. 
Is there a short version? This is it. Oh. We called you because the time has come for the final decision. These papers are for new employees, so the question is, are you joining our team? That decision apparently has been made already. I'm along for the ride. You have no idea how much this simplifies things. I believe I do. Meeting my own double was very disorienting, to say the least. That substitution must have been very difficult to arrange. It would have been harder to undo. One of you would have to be removed. From the land of the living, I presume? We don't need to talk like that. Thankfully, you're on board, and we don't have to consider that contingency. Any questions? A lot, actually. Let's start with the insane security. I believe you owe me an extremely thorough explanation. Absolutely, Kirk. Did you read those environmental papers? Yes, I did. I recall a corporate impression of the dangers of global warming. You got those just to familiarize you with our research methods. Those old conclusions have been swept away by new facts that have come to light. The good news is that we have seen the light on the environment. The bad news is that it's too late. Coasts will drown. Ocean currents will change. Lots of other stuff will happen in a time frame that will blow your mind. With all due respect, I've predicted those things myself, and if you want to talk to me about these issues, I could have a more productive conversation with the researchers. That will happen very soon. I should have already read about these findings in a respectable journal. Can you finally tell me why I have not been able to read them? The scientists who worked on them underwent the same hiring process as you. Their findings are published in our secret journals that are unavailable to the public. It's an underground scientific community selected for their skills. It's a shadow scientific community. It informs the shadow government and all the other shadows you'll learn about on a strictly need-to-know basis. Don't worry about Butch. We're all equals here. Who am I working for? If I get to learn one simple fact, I will be happy. BOBF stands for Building Our Better Future. It's a tightly organized group of executives and critical employees from a broad range of all industries that we expect to be important at the general time frame when civilization begins to decentralize. What does our stand for? It stands for the executives of BOBF and their guests. How will I help the needs of this elite social class? This could take all day. I say we just show Kirk the movie. The following excerpts are selected from the film Operation Hope Island, Surviving as a Team. Congratulations, employee. You've been selected to survive the probable end of the world. People on Hope Island will have a far greater chance of survival than those in less prepared areas. Hope Island is a 20-mile square island, an attractive assortment of flora and fauna. With soon-to-be-constructed electrical grid and satellite television access, the residents of this island will be the envy of all the survivors who even discover their existence. We'll enjoy a standard of living approaching that before the cataclysm. Think positive and remember that even being selected to Hope Island is an honor, a statement that you are among the most valuable people in our society, and a useful building block for the foundation of a new one. Congratulations and good luck, even though on Hope Island, you won't need it. Alright, I've seen the film, and I have one important question. We're eager to listen. If you project the sea levels to rise ten feet in the next ten years, why have you bet your future on an island? The question has been handled. The island will not flood. By the way, I'd advise you to remain in the building since you're officially at work right now. I won't give you any trouble. But Kirk still drove back to his old home. It looks like he wants to settle some unfinished business, but doesn't expect his new bosses to allow it. Ooh, they probably wouldn't, so we'll drop in and see if Kirk made the right call. From our point of view, it looks like Kira is with another man. Kira! 
Hello would also have been an acceptable greeting. You haven't needed to conduct these interviews for weeks. At this point, you're only endangering yourself. What are you doing? You know, I'd ask you to explain that, but you just never have that information. This guy, this guy you've got in front of you doesn't even look like me. He doesn't need to. This interview process has been about finding a new boyfriend for quite a while. Well, I'm going to be leaving here forever, so I guess it really doesn't matter to me. Just means I will remember you as a liar. You know, I'm surprised you remember me at all. You've barely talked to me for at least a month. Yeah, Kira needs attention. I don't need a Greek chorus to talk to Kirk, William. So this is goodbye then? Well, live a long, happy, and prosperous life. I'll just be gathering some of my things if you don't mind. At this point, a bullet whizzes past Kirk's ear and through a wall. I believe it's a .223 caliber bullet. Everyone scrambles for cover, but Kirk grabs paper and pencil and presses a sign against the window that says, I'm just getting my things. What was that? Here's the deal. If the sign I just made works, the bullets stop, and if it doesn't, well, I hope you and William here have lived full productive lives. The bullets stopped flying, and soon Kirk came back to the office, and now he's on a small private aircraft over the Pacific Ocean. His traveling companion is Dr. Jill Thornton, fresh from a secret monitoring study of the Greenland ice caps. If you're going to Hope Island, they must think you're hot stuff, so I want to know what you think of my work. I don't want you to think my answer is intended as an insult, even though it will be hard to interpret it in any other way. Go ahead. We're going to spend a lot of time together in tropical paradise. We might as well be honest. I was skeptical about your Ocean Currents paper because it was published in a secret journal, but it was excellent. You helped convince me that the world is doomed. Thanks. If that was scathing criticism, please bring more. All right. The methodology of your other studies was totally sound, which is why I was so confused by the unforgivable sloppiness of your formula to determine who should escape to this island. (laughs) Oh, that. That wasn't science. You're giving it too much credit. The BOBF bosses wanted to get the island themselves, and they wanted to share it with sexy celebrities. (laughs) So I gave them what they wanted so they wouldn't get someone else to do it. It's a dumb formula, but I got dumb instructions. Garbage in, garbage out. You know, I'm impressed it's as good as it is. I'm not trained for that kind of math. Let me ask you, don't you worry about writing this whole thing out with almost no skilled people on the island? I think Hope Island beats waiting around back there for all hell to break loose. And this huge global conspiracy doesn't bother you a bit? A bit, but seriously, you had to know something was up if you kept your eyes open. I'm just glad I know a lot of the details now. And once you get the broad outline, the details fill in pretty quick. Corporations are competitive beasts that only exist to survive, and now that environmental survival is on their radar, the CEOs just want to outlive the competition. They still care about quarterly profits, they just want to ignore the loss of their employees' lives as well as their jobs. Gotta love it. So your solution is apathy, then? My solution is the same as yours. Take the money and run. Give the island a chance. It's a pretty neat place. Trust me, I'm preparing myself to be dazzled and amazed. They arrive on a small landing strip and are greeted by an upper-level executive from the meatpacking industry. Kirk visibly cringes as he sees how the guy is dressed. Crispy-lined khaki pants, white spotless shirt, and a pith helmet. In this narrator's opinion, this guy is sharp. <laughs> Suit yourself. Let's drop in on this scene. Kirk Vanderpool, I presume. I'm Leo Williams. I know you've met Jill. Kirk is just thrilled to see this place. That's what I was hoping to hear. You look ready for a safari. How did you get assigned to greet me? Drew lots. And you are the winner. Nope, I'm totally fine with being here. Is there anything you would like to see right away, or can I just give the regular tour? Well, I'd like to see what you think is the most important thing first. Then I'll give you my thoughts. You will, believe me. So the tour proceeds. 
This is the electrical generator. It will not only be operational soon, but will function with minimal maintenance. This movie theater will be a place for the Islanders to relax. Tennis court will be open all year due to the favorable conditions. And if you don't like salt water, there's always the swimming pool. Any questions? Do you have any way to monitor major weather events? A meteorological station is supposed to be built soon. How very reassuring. How about soil and wildlife surveys? I know that you realize if you plan to live here, the stuff that is or isn't on this island may affect you. This was an uncharted island until recently. Those surveys just don't produce themselves. How long has Dr. Thornton been here? Several months, Mr. Vanderpool. But she has been busy recently constructing a complicated formula for us. I saw the formula. He was very impressed by it. So I'm sure you'll understand why we couldn't be pursuing other priorities at this moment. That will be your job to do. How many people are going to be staying here, exactly? About a thousand. I think you might have been better off doing a sustainability report before deciding on the number of residents. I'll take that to my bosses. Thank you very much. Now I have to go over some paperwork. It was good to see you. Isn't he thorough? Yes, very. Why don't you show him your headquarters, Jill? So Leo takes a powder and Jill guides Kirk into a spacious two-story house with remarkably comfortable furniture. I've heard them refer to us as the help. They think of this as a servant's quarters. They think we're slumming it. Amazing, huh? You know, I have not seen a single thing today that indicates that anyone here knows anything about survival. How is this going to even work in the long term? Can you tell me? All I know is that it'll be a good life for a while. All things considered, I think that's a sweet deal if you don't think about it too hard. The next year passes slowly on the island. Kirk is used to tight deadlines and throws himself into his work before it occurs to him that most of the people who are coming to the island don't much understand or care about what he is doing. What they do care about is if the air conditioning is working and if the swimming pool is properly chlorinated. Jill is known for tending to such endeavors and has become a popular fixture to the island's business executives. Who have watched in delight as their favorite celebrities have rolled in, spreading glamour. In addition to increasingly dark stories about massive crop failures and peak oil... The government begins to fall apart and collapses almost immediately. Perhaps if citizens had cared more, things could have lasted longer. But what the hell? I'm just the narrator. And on Hope Island, Kirk watched alarmed as the population bloated and calculated that the Chosen could only live at their desired lifestyle for about a month before supplies ran short. He imagined them to be a group who would resort to cannibalism very quickly once they ran out of bug spray and ingredients for mixed drinks. Miss Thornton continues to bother Kirk with her optimism and gratitude and enjoying luxuries such as one of the last functioning Pac-Man cabinets on Earth. From what I'm overhearing, it sounds like a great time to be on an uncharted island. You just wait. It's all over, Kirk. My ecology knowledge tells me that we're on an isolated island with a limited resource base, but I don't do ecology anymore. Nobody is going to pay for science anymore, no one is around to publish the results, and there's nobody out there reading it, even if I could. If what I know helps me survive, then that's all that matters to me. This may sound like it's out of left field, but I don't think anyone will survive out here. How are your odds better anywhere else? One resourceful person has a better chance than 1,000 stupid people. We aren't exactly surrounded by survivalists, if you've noticed. They waste fuel on dune buggy races. Why not? You could just put your money where your mouth is and escape. That sounds like a challenge. So, over the course of a month, Kirk whips up a boat that the professor from Gilligan's Island would have been proud of. 
He set off for the California coast with a bunch of stolen maps, a GPS unit, and many gallons of water. And in the long sea voyage, he survived a shark attack, a freak storm, and grew a huge, ugly beard. But besides that, the trip was uneventful. He landed on the California coast a couple dozen pounds lighter, but found the strength to steal a motorcycle at gunpoint after startling a sleeping motorcycle gang. Before long, his GPS batteries died. The motorcycle ran out of gas, and the gun ran out of ammunition. He lived off the small game he could trap. But he kept moving to his destination, compelled to see his old home. And until he met armed men on motorcycles ten miles from the house, he had been making slow but steady progress. Needless to say, that slowed that progress. Indeed, you did not need to say that. Let's check out the action. Don't move. You need permission to enter Lady Kira's lands? I cry your pardon, gentlemen. Uh, I used to be here, and I guess things have changed since I was last in this area. You will not hear a bigger understatement all day, believe me. No joking. Just explain your presence. Let Miss Hendricks know that a Kirk Vanderpool is dropping in and paying a small visit. She has known me far longer than either of you two. Radio Lady Kira and ask if she knows this guy. Yes, sir. And where have you been all this time? I've spent most of my time on quote-unquote Hope Island. Everybody says Hope Island's just a legend. At least a couple of months ago, it was very factual. I wouldn't know what they're up to at the moment, since I'm talking to you fellows. Is the place really crawling with celebrities? Yep. Not one of them has any survival skills, so it probably isn't crawling with them anymore. Name some. I never caught most of their names, but uh, Roger Federer, he was a pretty nice guy. He was the finest tennis player in the world. I used to make love to my wife to his matches. Yeah, he was pretty good. Uh, can I see Miss Hendricks now? Hey, Sam, this guy good, or do we need to earn our salary? He's good. Proceed. Kirk began to pass a primitive attempt at self-sustaining agriculture and other signs of civilization. Something that looked like a generator, a bunch of structures compiled from cannibalizing the old surrounding houses, a storehouse of fuel, and motorcycles all appeared on the old suburban street. The signs would have bothered him if he hadn't been so intrigued. Kira finally greeted him by the door in a bathrobe. And sandals. Hey, long time no see. What brings you here, Kirk? I didn't have anywhere else to go. I'd like to know how whatever the hell you did didn't work out for you. Sit by the front window so everyone can see you mean no harm to me. All right. You do know that this place smells like old newspapers, don't you? That smell is how I made the millions that brought me my security. I hope you'll elaborate on that. Of course I will. I'm proud of my accomplishments. Right after you left, I did something that... All successful artists do. Stole someone's ideas and made my own clever little thing out of them. I took that interview idea you forced on me and turned it into the basis of a pay internet site that made me much, much filthy lucre. And then the internet died. I can sell more little love and sex pamphlets to many more people than anyone expected I'd be able to in the desolate wasteland. People still pay for anything that can be used for food. Sex or violence, it's just you gotta be more flexible about payments. What about all that fuel I saw out there in the yard? Do you sell that? No. We need all that, believe me. Gasoline is not for sale. By the way, you should take a shower. You really need one. This is one of the only places in a day's drive with running water. Hot water? Get real. Kirk sheds layer after layer of filth and luxuriated in the relative warmth of his old home. His face takes a thoughtful expression before he returns to Kira. I've made a decision. Uh, what? Surviving is no good. I'm sick of raw meat, diarrhea from bad water, and walking 20 miles a day on sore feet. Can I share some of your luxuries? (laughs) Uh, 
We can do an interview after you explain exactly what you've been up to. Kirk conveys his tale, and upon request, gave the coordinates of Hope Island. Kira fusses with the radio as she listens, and to Kirk's surprise, she eventually makes contact with the island through thick static. Dr. Jill Thornton, who goes there? My name is Kira Hendricks. I want to ask about Kirk Vanderpool. He left to get eaten by sharks. Why ask? He made land, passed through my area, and told people that you were all dead on the island. Evidently, he was wrong. Yep, some of them are pretty hungry and unhappy right now, but people are figuring out how to live more economically. Kirk doesn't believe people are adaptable. Hmm. You want him back? In theory, maybe. In practice, how is he coming back even if he wanted to? The idiot's lucky to be alive. I'm fading out. Um, well, uh, goodbye, Doctor. That was really disappointing. So, are we going to take a chance and live together again? You know, things have really changed since last time, and it's not all obvious. I trade favors to other warlords in exchange for free passage to their areas of influence. You know what I mean, right? Well, I don't approve of that, but it's not like my opinion really matters much anymore. Who are these warlords, anyway? Ooh, if you don't know about the warlords, stay off the roads for a while until you get some updated area knowledge. That way, you won't die. So, what can I do to earn a place in your slice of paradise here? You do understand some things that I don't. More importantly, there's stuff that nobody can teach me here. I'm not exactly surrounded by professors. So I'm going to teach, then? When there's time. This isn't exactly a college environment, but what is? You'll probably help me grow crops, help guard the samples of self-help pamphlets when you're not doing that. That was the interview, then? I mean, back in my day, we'd ask great incisive questions like... How can you define your weaknesses in five words or less, or how would you react if you were asked to do something you disapproved of? Don't wear yourself out. Have any questions for, uh, for me? How are you going to pay me? Whatever combination of food, gold, and women I'm privy to at a given time. You got a place to sleep on top of that. Lots of people would envy you for that alone. I know this is going to be crazy to ask, but, uh, <laughs> what are the benefits? Uh, you have access to a guy who thinks he's a doctor. I'd advise you to avoid him, since as much as he, uh, <laughs> enjoys surgery... <laughs> More questions? Is power an aphrodisiac? Oh, God, yes. Are you uh, ready for a tour of my kingdom, Kirk? Let's get cracking, boss. Narrators. Yes, Lady Kira? Time for you to make yourselves scarce. One, I haven't seen Kirk in forever, and I don't need you hovering around. Two, you can just blab everything about my compound to anyone who will listen to you. Three, I've decided I don't need a narrator at this time. I haven't gotten that megalomaniacal yet. But Lady Kira, you're one of the only people who has any need of chronicling. The last two years of my life have sucked royally, and your narration has helped me wade through that crap one more time. Thanks. Don't be angry with them. It's just that there isn't much market for narration at the end of the world. The market for motorcycle outlaws is much more promising, so I suggest that you two give that a shot. Well, uh, can we get on with this tour, then? After I see them off. And you should cool it, Kirk, because you've succeeded in outliving almost everyone in the world. Pretty awesome. In my book. And now you narrators, finish this off and pick up your day wages. The end. Kirk got work. Melanie Arnold. And Archgenia signing off. Excellent Job Opportunities for the End of the World by Jacob Thompson Produced by Jordan D. White Starring, in order of appearance, Anna Call as Melanie Arnold and Kira Hendricks Elijah Weberhan as Arch Guinead and Leo Williams Patrick Ganan as Arnie Skipper and Guard One Scott Finbo as Kirk Vanderpool Secretary, 
and boyfriend. Daniel Schwartz as Jared, Bill Skinner, film narrator, and guard two. Jordan D. White as Butch M. And Ava Rosenblatt as Gail Sinclair and Jill Thornton. Recorded spring 2006 in the WHRW studios. episode of Cast and Wax. On Decker and Hayes, we learn that Julian McGinnis has been bugging the titular detectives. You sure you recorded everything it heard? Yeah, totally. I've got this receiver program, so whenever the bug is picking up voices, it automatically records. When it's recording, this little red light comes on. That one? You mean it's recording now? Yep, sure is. Can you turn it up? Can we hear? Yeah, sure. On Tractor Fiction, we learn all about the evils of Dungeons and Dragons. All of you who are involved in the occult think that you have achieved power. You have been trapped in a dungeon of bondage. The limited power you have been given is only bait to lure you to destruction. And on guard duty, we learn what drives the Earth God to distraction. Is that a spider? What? A spider? Oh god, where? I I don't see it. Where is it? It was over on that side of the room. Not anywhere near the cell release controls. Release controls? Oh my, look at that release button. So red. Wow. All this and more coming December 8th to Waxwork.com. 